You are listening to the World of Games Podcast. What's up, everybody? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be in this big blue marble we call planet Earth. What is happening, everybody? And a happy Friday. Thank God it's the weekend. Uh, I got a pretty pretty interesting episode for you going into this weekend. I was a little busy uh, recording a couple of segments Thursday on a couple of stories. And uh, one was about how the cartels are using TikTok to recruit teenage Americans to smuggle people over the border and uh, that's kind of crazy and also um, I did one on Skid Row in LA they're finally going to clean it up but I don't know how they're going to do it because it's a hot mess down there so I'll delve into that Uh, and it also looks like Caitlyn Jenner makes it official Uh, she's running for governor or he's running for governor however you may put it we'll get into that and a lot more stuff so hang in there and I'll be right back All right, I came across this one on Thursday. I wanted to share with you this story. Pretty pretty remarkable. Uh, it's from Fox News. Border cartels use TikTok, social media, to recruit American teens to smuggle migrants for cash. Uh, they're offering more than three Gs a ride to drive smuggled migrants into the U.S. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, and this is an exclusive. Cartels at the southern border are targeting American teenagers on social media to get them to do their dirty work of smuggling illegal immigrants into the U.S., the latest sign of the escalating chaos at the border. Images obtained by Fox News show the, ad, the ads cartels are using on social media apps like TikTok, where they offer more than $3,000 a ride for teens and young adults to come drive smuggled migrants into the U.S., when they reach the border. And it, it looks like, yeah, it, it definitely does shows a phone. It's a mission to mission, $150. It's really hard to say because they put a watermark across some of it. Roma to Roma, $250. It looks like one says, need two or three drivers to go through a checkpoint. And... Another one says, got another six left, already crossed. Let me know ASAP for that easy cash, another says. And he spells Lemmy, L-E-M-M-E. <laughs> Instead of let me, L-E-T-M-E. That's funny. Uh, if they take it, their job is to get migrants through checkpoints and then to drop them off, drop off location like a store parking lot where the migrants are then picked up by someone trusted by the cartel and transferred to stash houses scattered along the border. There were 172,000 migrant encounters in March alone, but authorities have estimated there are more than 1,000 gotaways, people who got into the U.S. by sneaking past Border Patrol every single day. Jeez. And here's another video. Let me see if I can click on that. It's 
pretty funny looking at the image of them trying to recruit teenagers. They're using these emojis and happy faces, and it, it looks like something that they're they're promoting to children. It's kind of weird. Uh, you just have to check out the image. Uh, sources previously told Fox News that smugglers would often dump children in one part of the border so adult migrants can sneak past as Border Patrol is overwhelmed with dealing with the children. Often they will get through unfinished gaps in the border wall. Sources told Fox News the recruited kids often use their parents' SUVs to make these trips to ferry migrants without them knowing. One teenager's mother and nurse started crying when she got a call from authorities about the business her daughter was conducting. But the authorities so so overwhelmed, teens are often getting a little more than a slap on the wrist. How are they getting a hold of the parents' SUVs? How are the parents not even knowing that their kids have the SUV? Are they doing it like when they're asleep or something? Or while mom's at work or dad's at work and they go to their job and just kind of jump on it? I don't know. That's kind of weird. I would definitely want to know if, you know, if my car's gone. That's <laughs> just weird. I don't know. It is the latest shocking detail in the months-long crisis at the southern border. President Biden on Saturday called the situation a crisis for the first time, although the White House later walked back his remarks saying there was a crisis in Central America but not at the border. I don't know. It sounds like Biden's saying one thing, and whoever these uh, puppet masters are that's pulling his strings are kind of just speaking for him if they're walking things back because he didn't walk it back it sounds like somebody else did though mm-hmm. uh critics have blamed the surge on biden's rollback of trump era policies like the migrant protection protocols which kept migrants in mexico during their hearings as well as narrowing of interior enforcement and the biden administration's decision not to use a title 42 public health order to expel chi- child migrants from the country the Biden administration, along with referring to the surge as a quote-unquote challenge rather than a crisis, has blamed the Trump administration, of course, accusing it of ending a number of legal asylum pathways, which the Biden administration now has to restore. But with spring and summer months approaching when migrant numbers often peak, there is no sign of the crisis abating anytime soon. You know, that's something they got to be concerned about because the, the temperatures are going to go up and that whole area down there is just one big desert. That is not a place to dump off kids. That, they got to get, they, that, that whole administration needs to tighten up big time real soon too. It's a tragedy what's going on. On Tuesday, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey issued a declaration of emergency and announced he is sending the National Guard to the border to help overwhelmed officials, quoting the situation in our border communities is just as bad, if not worse, than the coverage we've been seeing, Ducey said, announcing the moves. Yeah, that's just horrible. That is just horrible. I don't know. I You know, hmm. I, I just want to know why the fuck he's not going down there and tackling the issue. I just seen something on the news where they haven't even went into Yuma or Arizona in general. They haven't even went into the state. Oh, no way. I think they did. I think she had went to the Grand Canyon. I think so. I'm not too sure. But nonetheless, they they could have went straight down to Yuma and checked that whole scene out. But, you know, this is what we got. This is what some this is what half of America supposedly voted for. So there you go.
So here's a story coming out of L.A. And uh, I've been following a lot about their homeless situation down there because it, it pretty much parallels what the hell's going on up here in the in the Bay Area. Um, but it looks like their useless mayor, Garcetti, I don't know if it's Garcetti that is doing it. Nope, actually, I'm, I stand corrected, a U.S. district judge. David O. Carter issued an extraordinary order out of frustration with the bureaucratic paralysis on homelessness. Uh, this is coming, let me start from the beginning. This is coming from the L.A. patch, Los Angeles patch. And it's titled, Los Angeles given until October 18th deadline to house all of Skid Row. Now, I, first off, before I go start this off, I've seen a lot of video on YouTube about what the hell is going on down there on Skid Row. And my understanding is it, it is expanded. It is just branched out. And uh, so that's a hell of a task. But well, let's read on. Let's see what's up. So uh, fed up with what he considers government inaction, bureaucratic process, and lack of accountability, a federal judge Tuesday suddenly ordered the city and county of L.A. to Los Angeles to offer housing to the entire homeless population of downtown Skid Row by October. Now, first off, you have to have a, do a complete census down there. And if I remember listening to the John and Ken show off of KFI 640 down there, I think they did a census, but they didn't have an accurate number or they were kind of under-reporting the numbers, something like that. So I just want to know how they're going to determine how many beds they're going to need. And then they're going to try to implement, I think, a billion-dollar budget <laughs> to, to combat it. So, I don't know. That, that's L.A.'s problem. So, I digress. But moving on. Uh, U.S. District Judge David O. Carter set a timetable by which single women and unaccompanied children must be offered placement within three months. Families must be given shelter within four months, and every indigent, indigent person on Skid Row would be given the opportunity to come off the streets by October 18th. What the hell is that supposed to mean, indigent people? Are they referring to the BIPOCs? You know, is that what the hell they're talking about? Indigent person. Mm. Mayor Eric Garcetti, of course, called the timetable unprecedented in terms of speed. Quoting, I want to read the order and understand how the judge would envision that happening where the rooms, the real estate, etc. are, Garcetti said. I've had a great conversation with, with the judge. Obviously, that would be an unprecedented pace, not only for L.A., but for any place I've ever seen for homelessness in America. And I want to be as bold and as ambitious as him. But like I said, I think many of us feel it's not just about getting people into shelter, it's getting people into homes. First off, the problem here is not so much uh, finding the bed space for them, it's just convincing them to do it. Because many of these people don't want to do it, they enjoy the freedom, they like being outdoors, and they don't like the rules that come with it. You know, people like to be slackers all their life. There is a segment of population that are like that, you know, and they just rather enjoy their drugs and booze. It's just the way it is, and you're not going to convince everybody, and you can't force anybody because, you know, that's their civil, you know, you can't violate their civil rights either. So it's touchy, touchy situation. The groundbreaking 110-page order comes in response to a request for immediate court intervention submitted last week by the plaintiffs in a year 
old federal lawsuit seeking to compel the city and county to quickly and effectively deal with the homelessness crisis. Skid Row is a spread out 50-block warrant of downtown streets containing one of the largest populations of indigent, indigent people in the nation. I don't know what, why they say that, well, indigent people. Are they referring just to Los Angelonians in general, people that are native to the you know, population, to, to the L.A. Basin? Or are they talking about like indigent people like the Native Americans and stuff like that? I, I don't know. That's... That's a very gray area for me. I, I can't interpret that correctly. But anyhow, Skip Miller, outside counsel for the county, said Carter's order goes well beyond what the plaintiffs have asked for. He added that the county was evaluating its options, including the possibility of an appeal to the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Oof, good luck. Uh, the judge wrote that the city and county of L.A. created a legacy of entrenched structural racism, leaving black people, and especially black women, it, effectively abandoned on the streets. Such governmental inertia has affected not only black Angelinos, Angelinos, excuse me, not only homeless Angelinos, but all Angelinos of every race, gender, identity, and social class. The judge said that virtually every citizen of L.A. has, be, has borne the impacts of the city and county's continued failure to meaningful confront the, meaningfully uh, confront the crisis of homelessness. The time has come to redress uh, these wrongs and finish another measure for our nation's unfinished work. And so as I scroll down, this is a long article. I am not kidding you. And I, I've been browsing. I just paused for a second. I've been browsing through it to see if there's anything that is of significant value to read to you. And um, I'm being honest with you. There is not. Much of what else is left to read is just a bunch of blustering about a lot of social justice warrior stuff I just don't want to tackle. Um, it is, again, an L.A. problem. It's nothing new around here. It's the same garbage I, I get uh, here out of the East Bay. So if you want to check out the article, I'll, I'll leave a link to it. It's, on, it's off a of patch. Uh, LA, I just found it interesting that they were going to go ahead and, and try to tackle such a big issue. But as I go down this article, let's see if there's anything I can, I, I mean, this thing just drags on. I don't know who the hell was writing it. Who the hell wrote this thing? It's almost like war and peace. Who the hell? I'm trying to give somebody some credit here. City News Service, that's all it says. It's just a news partner. City News Service, whoever they are. But go ahead and check out the article. They're, they got a big task at hand. So, uh, hey, if you live in the area, um, enjoy. They're going to clean, finally clean it up. Hey, guys, take a moment and visit my homepage. Click on the support button and drop your boy a couple extra cents and let me know that you care. I really would appreciate it. And now back to the nonsense. So I really didn't want to get into this whole incident that happened in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, and shout out to uh, my listeners out there in Ohio. Big shout out to you guys. Sorry to hear what was going on in Columbus. I really don't like getting into other uh, people's business as far as you know, regionally, because I think it's a regional issue. I don't think it should be just spread all over uh, the internet like it was, this whole story. And I kind of refrain from it because usually I was just kind of waiting until... The facts are out there, and facts did come out as the day progressed, and I just didn't want to jump to any conclusions, but uh, what, 48 hours later, a couple days later, 
we're finding out new things. There's like a second video from a neighbor's uh, surveillance video in front of his house. And he has a different perspective. And there is video of it. And it shows a totally different perspective. But it does, uh, whether you agree or not, it does kind of justify the fact that the judge, I mean, the, excuse me, not the judge, but the police officer was right in pretty much taking out the, the, <laughs> the young girl that was out there trying to stab people and trying to kill people. Um, unfortunately it was, you know, somebody as young as she was, but still, I mean, it's not, I, I understand it's not funny, but you know, Hey, he saved a life, whether you agree or not, he did save a life. So it is what it is. Uh, and I'm just going to read a little quickly from what the neighbor had said from his perspective, uh, that, uh, the Columbus, Ohio police officer who fatally shot a teen Tuesday reacted with what he thought was his best judgment, a neighbor whose home surveillance camera captured video uh, of the incident said on Thursday. When Donovan Brinson shared his views on Fox News, the Faulkner Focus, in an exclusive inter interview uh, after reviewing the footage, Brinson did not witness the incident himself, he told host Harris Faulkner, but reviewed the surveillance footage recorded from his home which is located across the street from where the shooting took place and it is a com it is a complete angle he has it dead center on this property like i guess it, i mean when you have your camera focused in on somebody's front yard like that it, it must kind of indicate that maybe he's had numerous problems at that location before i mean that's just a you know personal view here you know a pov but it, it kind of looks that way let's let's see if i can bring this up click on this here real quick well i don't know i'm trying to bring up the video see bring up some sound so you guys can hear exactly what the guy was saying but i'm having buffering issues for whatever reason so i guess i'll just pass on that uh but anyhow let's see where was i uh he quotes saying the video doesn't lie, he said. The police officer did what he thought was best, given he had only seconds to react, the neighbor asserted. Uh, Micaiah Bryant, 16, has been identified by her family as the person who was killed in East Columbus after someone called the police. Body camera footage released by police showed the teen attacking two other people with what appeared to be a knife before a responding officer fired multiple shots. She later was pronounced dead at the hospital. Quote, this never should have happened, the teen's mother, Paula Bryant, told 10TV in a teary-eyed report, she's a loving girl. <laughs> I'm, you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to comment on a child. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. But uh, she did have a pretty big knife, and she did pretty much lunge at two people ready to stab them. So, uh, you know, if she's a loving child um, or a loving girl... Um, there might be some debate to that, but I'll, I digress. According to Franklin County Children's Services, Bryant was a foster child un under their care. Police say they were called to the scene around 4.30 p.m. after receiving a report of someone attempting to stab other individuals at the home. And body cam footage does show that as soon as police arrived, a young female tackled another female to the ground. Having what appeared to be a knife in her hand, the girl can be seen charging at another female while raising the purported knife in the air, at which point the officer opened fire. And, uh, let's see. From my point of view watching this, unfortunately, the whole scenario put him in a bad spot regardless of what the situation was, Brinson said. 
Brinson then ran through the possible situations, quoting, he could have either not fired and the young lady in pink could have got stabbed in the neck or would have, would have been fatally injured and then responded and shot. And that would have been two young ladies possibly dead. Or he could have responded the way that he did. And unfortunately, one lady lost her life in the incident and probably could have been avoided. Brinson also told Faulkner... He was not sure exactly what the fight was about, but noted that when he and his wife were coming home from a late lunch, they came across a young lady in pink and another young lady out front exchanging words, quoting, We didn't think too much about it, but they were very, very loud. You can tell they were upset about something, he continued. He also said, uh, he, also said he saw one of the girls looking another girl out of the house and they said something about how dare you look lock me out of my mama's house this is my house too uh, Brinson said he thought the incident would resolve itself the door would get unlocked and it will be done and over with approximately five minutes later though he said he heard gunshots Brinson who was inside his home at the time said he realized there was no retaliation shot he figured an officer was outside he told Faulkner he then made his way to the window when he saw Micaiah on the ground and everyone else kind of in chaos. Frenson said he gave his footage to police who were on the scene. The Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation is reporting handling the shooting. The officer who pulled the trigger has been taken off the streets, authorities said. On Wednesday, the Columbus Police Department identified the officer involved in the shooting as Nicholas Reardon, who had been on the force for 16 months, according to personal personnel file obtained by Fox News. And again, I'm just going to, I'm not going to get too, too much involved with this because I'm kind of, it's unfortunately, uh, there's too many of these stories coming out, whether uh, it's the cop's fault or not. I'm not going to go there right now, but I'm just going to put it right out there. Uh, again, shout out to all my people out in Ohio. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, don't tear up your streets and, and Look at the video and use a, use some common sense. And if you have friends or family out there that are just unhinged over it, uh, tell them to take a step back. <laughs> Look at the video because uh, the cop didn't do anything wrong. He saved a life. And uh, that's kind of just how I feel about it. Uh, but also, <laughs> the, here's what really blew my mind yesterday. And you probably all know about it. And that's LeBron James. And here's the thing about I was thinking about. Columbus, Ohio, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you guys are all Cavalier fans. I'm pretty sure you're all Cleveland Cavalier fans. And LeBron did you a solid. He was he was the he was that cherry on top of that Sunday. You know what I mean? For your for your community, for Cleveland. You know, and he comes out yesterday and I don't know if you guys caught that tweet. I happened to catch it. I was on Twitter and I commented on it. And uh, I kind of slammed him. I called him a clown. But what was funny, so he took down that tweet with him and uh, what well, was a picture of the officer. And he doxed him and told him that, you know, he put hashtag accountability and your time is coming or, or something to that effect. It was very threatening. But he took it down, like, I guess within like 10, 15 minutes. I mean, his, his PR guy probably told him, hey, you better take that shit down. That shit don't work, you know. But it was too late because, I mean, it got out there. It was archived. I mean, I was sitting there, and I, I pretty much I screenshot it, and I, I started sending it back to him. And what was interesting about it, follow-up to that, though, 
was, of all people, O.J. Simpson had came out with a statement. Oh, hell no! And so I'm going to read this. Uh, this is coming from 10WBNS. And uh, it just goes, it goes like this. O.J. Simpson criticizes LeBron James uh, for tweet about fatal Columbus police shooting of Micaiah Bryant. Uh, James now deleted tweet read, you're next, hashtag accountability, along with an hourglass emoji and a picture of the officer who shot Micaiah Bryant. First off, you know, come on, <laughs> come on, LeBron, what the fuck are you doing, man? This guy is the stupidest guy to be a social justice warrior. He's like the, the stupidest, the most ignorant. I mean, the things he says sometimes, I don't even think he thinks before he speaks, you know what I mean? But the guy's filthy rich with Chinese money, so he don't care. I don't give a fuck. Uh, let's see. O.J. Simpson is weighing in on the criticism L.A. Lakers star LeBron James has faced since posting a now-deleted tweet in reaction to the shooting death of a 16-year-old black girl in Columbus, Ohio, by a police officer. Micaiah Bryant was shot and killed Tuesday afternoon. Body cam footage from the incident shows the officer Nicholas Reardon shot Bryant four times as she was swinging a knife at another girl during an altercation. The Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation is currently investigating the shooting. The shooting, uh, which happened the same day that former Minneapolis police Eric, uh, Derek Chauvin was convicted of murdering George Floyd, sparked immediate outrage. James' tweet read, You're next, hashtag accountability, along with an hourglass emoji and a picture of Reardon. Before that, James had tweeted accountability after Chauvin was found guilty. <laughs> Within hours of publishing the controversial comment about Reardon, James deleted the tweet later explaining that he was being used to spread more hate. Well, well, hold on a second. Let me check this out. Hold on. Okay, I got to reread this again, make sure I get this accurate. Within hours of publishing the controversial comment about Reardon, James deleted the tweet, later explaining that it was being used to spread more hate. <laughs> then that's insane. That's how stupid he is. He puts out a hateful statement, and then he says it's being used to spread more hate. So he's actually admitting he's spreading hate. That's how stupid LeBron James is. In a video posted to Twitter Thursday, Simpson praised James for the work he has done for social justice and to fight systemic racism, but added that James needs to pick your battles and should have waited for more information about commenting. Quote, it's a war that must be fought, but sometimes you need to take your time and be a little more patient before you comment on some of the, these bad incidences that are happening with police departments, Simpson said. It's just funny hearing it from Simpson. It really is kind of funny, of all the people. Uh, oh, here we go. He's got a, it looks like he put out a video. Let's see if I can put up the volume you guys hear. I might have to, you might hear a little noise with the microphone. Hold on. Let's see if I can do this. I'm going to hear Simpson. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Tough morning, listening to all the criticism that LeBron uh, James is getting. Uh, I'm a fan of LeBron. I admire the work that he's done, how he's helped his community, and how he's helped his friends, uh, and how he's been fighting all of these social issues, especially that of systemic racism in the legal system and with the police departments around our country. But you can't fight every battle. You know, you can't, uh, you got to pick your battles. I mean, it's a war that must be fought, 
but sometimes you need to take your time and be a little more patient before you comment on some of these uh, uh, bad incidences that are happening with police departments. Uh, this one, uh, LeBron should have waited. Uh, I'm a little upset with most of the media because they showed us edited versions of what took place with the girl with the knife. They made it sound as if this was another police officer uh, overreacting and killing a young black American. Well, from what I saw when I saw the full thing, the police um, guy had no choice. He responded. We wish he could have pulled a taser. We wish he could have done it uh, in another way. But in that instance, if he hadn't done what he did, it appeared to me if another young American would have had her life taken. Uh, um, um, and hey, I can't fault what he did. I wish it was different, but I can't fault it. But LeBron, keep fighting the fight. I think we all got to be a little more patient. I'm against defunding the police. I think you just got to redirect some of those funds to better training and maybe dealing with more uh, uh, psychological training. In any event, God bless. Wear your mask, get your shots. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> there you go. OJ speaks. <laughs> I haven't heard him in a long time. He sounds, voice-wise, he, he sounds a little weak, but when you look at him, he, he looks pretty good. But there he is. There, there's OJ commenting on it. I mean, I mean, I mean, oh my gosh. I, I don't even know where to go with that one. I mean, the knife and it just everything. It, oh, OJ. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just going to suspend <laughs> comments on OJ right now. I think it's just kind of amazing that it's him speaking to LeBron about a knife fight of all things. <laughs> Or so-called knife fight, whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's another thing. The Democrats are playing it down as ah, it's just another knife fight by the kids. It's no big deal. The cops shouldn't have shot her. <laughs> that's another stupid argument. Uh, well, there you go. I let you hear OJ speak on it. That was pretty cool. It does look good though. OJ checking in. Let me go ahead and finish up this episode with the breaking news this morning. At least it's breaking for me. And this is coming from Axios. And like I mentioned earlier before, Caitlyn Jenner, uh, she's going to, or he's going to, I don't know, I'm, uh, running for governor, California, and had released a press release. And I actually have read it already, and it sounds really encouraging, actually. So really interesting ideas. Uh, definitely is in tune with uh, Californians, as far as I'm concerned, at least at this point. We'll, we'll have to wait and see exactly what she or he is uh, proposing. But anyhow, let me just read it. It's from Axios, uh, former Olympic decathlon, decathlete, excuse me, and reality TV star Caitlyn Jenner has filed her initial paperwork to run for governor of California and will officially announce her bid later today, her campaign tells Axios. Just do it! The big picture... 
Jenner, a longtime Republican, is seeking to replace Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom in a recall election, hoping her celebrity status and name recognition can yield an upset in the nation's most populous state. But in deep blue California, she decidedly not branding herself as a Trump Republican, even as she's counting on some of the former president's advisors to drive her in her strategy. She assembled a team of prominent GOP operatives, including Tony Fabrizio, the top pollster on Donald Trump's 2016 and 20 campaigns, Ryan Irwin, founder of Red Rock Strategies, and Tyler Deaton, president of Allegiance Strategies. She also hired Stephen Chang, a former Trump White House and campaign communications hand who worked on Arnold Schwarzenegger's successful 2003 recall campaign. Trump's former campaign manager, Brad Parscale, a personal friend of Jenner's, has helped her assemble her team, but doesn't plan to take an official title uh, on the campaign. The campaign website and WinRed donation page are set to go live today. Jenner said in a statement that Sacramento needs an honest leader with a clear vision and that for the past decade, we have seen the glimmer of the Golden State reduced by one-party rule that places politics over progress and special interests over people. The statement decries California's taxes as too high and criticizes an over-restrictive lockdown response to the COVID pandemic, including on in-person schooling. This is Gavin Newsom's California, where he orders us to stay home, but goes out to dinner with his lobbyist friends. <laughs> Definitely got to bring that bring that up. A campaign advisor tells Axios that Jenner has greater name ID than Newsom and can command the kind of earned media that will go to every possible demographic you could think of. Jenner, a trans woman, is very socially liberal the advisor said. She's running it as someone that's socially liberal and physically conservative. Don't forget, Jenner publicly voiced support for Trump until 2018 when he rolled back federal guidelines allowing transgender students to use bathrooms uh, of their choice. Quoting, my hope in him was misplaced, she wrote. I don't know if that's true, uh, because when, when it's highlighted, don't forget, that's telling me that whoever wrote this article is bringing that up, and I don't know if that's necessarily Caitlyn Jenner's uh, comment, but I just want to make that clear. Certainly she has not seen eye-to-eye with Trump on a lot of things, the advisor said. Okay, so I'll, I'll just assume it's the advisor, okay? I, I, I have to retract what I just said. I think that Caitlin will talk to anyone, Democrat or Republican. Donald Trump is not going to be the deciding factor for the state of California. And that's true. We've got to keep that open-minded. Uh, the big picture, Jenner's team is convinced that the race is totally winnable, but recent polling shows the scale of the challenge. A statewide survey this month had support, uh, had support for recalling Newsom at just 40%. That's just one of two contests Jenner would have to win. If a majority votes to recall Newsom, voters then select from the huge group of candidates vying to replace him. Yeah, that's gonna be. It's gonna be pretty wild after that. Um, I think I even heard Mary Carey, the porn star. I think she's jumping back into the ring. So, <laughs> why not? You know what I mean? Hell, I might just jump in. What the hell?
Maybe I'll get a vote or two. Who knows? I got some ideas. But yeah, you know, I read the 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 statement that the press release that she had put out, and it seemed like common sense policy. You know what I mean? It seemed like, but it's a hell of a challenge because I mean, you are really putting up putting yourself into a very challenging position. I mean, Trump did that with uh, you know America. I mean, that's a grand scale. But I mean, you know, California wise, uh, state wise. Uh, Caitlin will have a hell of a challenge. I mean, anybody that replaces Newsom is going to have a hell of a challenge cleaning up the state. So, uh, you know, hey, good luck. I'll, I'll be listening. I'll be checking in and, you know, see what happens. See what she's got to say. All right, so that's it for me for today. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for stopping by my little podcast and listening. Make sure you subscribe and like and favorite on your favorite podcast platform, whatever that may be. I think I'm on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, uh, Overcast, uh, Pocket Cast. I don't know. It's it's somewhere up there in the description. Please look for it and, and click on it and sign up. I'd appreciate it. And also go by my uh, YouTube and Rumble pages. Uh, it used to be World of Dan, but it's just capital W, uh, small O, capital D. Go check that out. Uh, I'll put the link in the description below and click on it and stop by and say hello. And with that being said, make sure you guys stay safe out there. And also, here's one more bit of advice that I always do, especially on the weekends. I don't watch the morning news. <laughs> it, because somehow, every time I watch the morning news, it just sets off your day in, a, in either a bad mood or a good mood and the way news is today you know what i'm saying just just avoid it so just a little bit of a friendly weekend advice all right i'm done rambling uh and i'm also done drinking coffee that's for sure with that being said guys i will speak to you next monday stay safe have a great weekend peace out